Welcome to Transformation Nation with your hosts, Jason Krantz and Jordan Morrow. Whether in your personal life, family, career, or more, each of us has the power to transform. Our episodes are designed to help empower everyone to transform into the person that they want to be. Jump into this episode to learn how you can become who you want to become. Hey everybody, how you doing? Jason Krantz here with my great friend Jordan Morrow, and this is the kickoff for season two of our podcast. Season one was focused on Jordan and I sharing our knowledge and expertise, but one thing we realized is that there was so much more that could be learned from talking to others and hearing their stories. And to that point, we are taking a different approach in season two. The season Jordan and I are going to be interviewing extraordinary people that embrace this fundamental idea that our podcast is about, which is growth and transformation. So Jordan, on that note, why don't you tell our listeners about our guest today? Yeah, happy to. And I'm, I'm happy to have him be the kickoff guest for our, our episode one of season two, because you're, you're exactly right. When we think about what we're trying to accomplish, first season, talking about ourselves, but mainly talking about the fields of data and analytics. And I think there's a lot of aspiration or desire within these fields of data and analytics to expand beyond it, right? To try and create something of value. And for this episode, we brought on a longtime friend of mine. I've known him since I was about 13 years old and his name is Jimmy Rex. And if we're talking about someone who embodies this philosophy of transformation, of change, of continually evolving his life to live it to the fullest, I can't think of anybody better than Jimmy. And so, Jimmy, welcome welcome to the podcast today. How are you doing? It's good to be on, guys. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely. So, Jimmy, I'm going to start off diving into something and a little promotion for you. So, for everybody who hasn't doesn't know who Jimmy is, he wrote an amazing book, him and one of his lifelong buddies named Cameron, called You End, you end Up Where You're Heading and the Hidden Danger of Living a Safe Life. So, Jimmy, first off, everybody go buy the book. We're going to give him that promotion. But secondly... Tell us what the title of this book means to you. I know that a lot of the book is surrounding your life, your life's experience, but why did you choose that title and what did it mean to you to write this book? Yeah, I mean, I just, uh, I had a lot of crazy things in my life. I've had a lot of rewards for not always taking the popular path or the path that other people were taking. And I started a podcast a couple of years ago, about four years ago, where I interview exceptional people living extraordinary lives. I kept noticing this pattern that they all had, all these people that had built these amazing lives. It was similar to what I would do, had done in my own life. And, and so I started to kind of study that and research that. And I was talking to my buddy Cameron. I was kind of telling him about this idea I had for a book. And long story short, we collaborated on it and uh, kind of followed the hero's journey. The, the, like essentially each of us has the opportunity to be the hero of our own lives. And in the book, we kind of take my story. We take stories of people that, um, that I've come across upon uh, on my path and just kind of show, you know, this, like in life, we have this expectation of what we're supposed to do by who knows who, whether it's a adult or a parent or a teacher or a family member or whatever, but on their dying beds, most people never regret the things they did. They only regret the things they didn't. And so I think the true tragedy of life is to have gone through your life and not been authentically who you want to be or do what you wanted to do. And so what this book really shows is how even though it might not be the safe path, quote unquote, um, the rewards that come from truly living your own life and exploring and going out 
and being the hero of your own story. Man, that's that's awesome. And so one of the things that you, you talked about right there that I'd love to hear your take and then see if Jason has any follow-ups, but I'd love to hear your take on how did you discover your authentic self? Because I, uh, knowing you mm-hmm. as long as I have, I, I've golfed with you. I've hung out with you, you know, hung at your house. We used to play home and derby in your backyard with a batting. I mean, all these different things. <laughs> I, I think you've always been your authentic self. How did you discover where you are today, where you wanted to be, and, and what helped frame that for you? Yeah, so I think it's a mixture of different things. So one of the things is when I was really young, I, you know, I was a very curious kid. And I think being curious is one of the main things that helps you live an extraordinary life because it just brings a lot of flavor to your life. You are going to be a lot more prone to, um, to find things and adventures and people, characters that you never would otherwise. And so I was always a curious kid. And I noticed that I discovered that every time that I would um, go about trying to, uh, you know, find out a new thing or explore or whatever, do something a little bit crazy as I, I used to do it just to entertain my parents or, you know, entertain my brothers and sisters and stuff. But I kept getting these rewards and thing after thing that I tried, you know, I did a TV show when I was like 22 years old and like, you know, I ended up falling on my face with all this money, but I met so many amazing people and, and I started doing all these different things and everything I did, I kept kind of seeing this reward. And so for me, it wasn't really a, there's not like a moment when I discovered, I guess, my authentic self. But I think the more I did it, like anything, the more I got the reward for it. And I think that is what helped me to kind of hone it and always want to be true to my own self or, you know, follow my path, not necessarily the path that others had for me. No, I think that's great. Like one of the things that you mentioned there is, is exactly what I talk about with data literacy. The first thing that you should do in data and analytics is be curious. Mm-hmm. because that's what sparks so much imagination. It sparks so much analysis and insight. Anyway, Jason, sorry, I cut you off there. Go ahead. No, it's great stuff. I mean, you, you're energizing me, man. Is that a lot of what you're articulating here echoes my thoughts too, in that you, know, you, you don't do anything profound in my mind by just following the safe path and that there are risks associated with that. But sometimes the bigger risk is not allowing yourself to take those risks to discover that bigger reward, that thing that you might want you know, down the road or your future self might want, or even your current self might want. But as you talked about the immense power of being your authentic self and that being curious part, that's a life skill in my mind. You need that to be successful in anything. uh, I believe, you know, as I read through your book, um, one of the things I noticed is that you have a philosophy of, you know, creating that life by design too. And you've kind of already covered parts of that there, but like, as you look to kind of define that term life by design, what, what does that actually mean to you? Yeah. So I mean, most people spend more time planning their uh, wedding than they do planning their marriage. They spend more time planning vacation than they do planning their year. And so what I mean by that is like the question I always ask people when they come to me and they're like, you know, I'm kind of stagnant in life. I don't know what I'm doing. I say, well, if everything were to go perfect in your life for the next five years, what would your life look like? And very, very, very few people can even answer that question. And so when I ask them that question, because what happens is, if we don't know where we're going, it's kind of the name of the book, right? You end up where you're heading. Like if you haven't planned where you're heading, well, that's where you're going to go is like pretty much nowhere. <laughs> it's kind of like, and most people, like people that accomplish big things, they have a goal. They have a vision for what it's going to be. And then they just start working towards it. And it's crazy how the universe will conspire in your favor to help you mm-hmm. make things happen. You'll meet the people you're supposed to meet. You'll get the information you're supposed to come across. You'll ha- find the partner that you're supposed to have. But if you don't, 
actually know what you want or what you do. You just kind of go through the motions and you kind of just help other people build their dreams. And so what I try to help people understand and what I'm always emphasizing is you've got to know exactly what you want. Like, what are you going for? What is it that you want? And once you know that, you can go about trying to get that. And that's kind of the beauty of your path is you get to, you know, um, design it, whatever you want it to be. And even if you fall short, you're going to get so much closer to it. You're going to explore. But most people, they just go through the motions. And that's why, you know, the average guy's watching 12 hours of football every weekend or um, the average person's watching reality TV for an hour or two a night or doing these different things that, that are fine, but they're just kind of passing time. And you're not going to have anything great happen to you if you haven't figured out how to go about doing that. So you got to kind of know what you want. Then you got to know why you want it. That's probably the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Because once you know why, you're going to put the time and effort towards it. Like if your why is big enough, the what doesn't matter. And then once you know your what and your why, at that point, you just put together a massive action plan. And then you go to work and you work and work and work until you accomplish that thing. Mm-hmm. So, J- Jimmy, can I piggyback up on that? Because I remember when you set that massive goal list that was I, f- I forget how many years out it was when you set it. By the time you reached, I think it was age 40, you wanted to accomplish X, Y and Z. And it was a list of 10 things. Can you share that I've got many things I want to talk about, but that one I think will give the listeners an idea of just how big you think. And because I think a lot of people, even when we set goals, when they're like, oh, this is where I want to be in five years, like you talked about, they're not setting things very big, right? Their dreams are very small, in my opinion, a lot of times. Like, And not that there's anything necessarily wrong with it because it's a starting point. I'll give them that. But I'd love for you to share when you created that that vision board or that goal board that you did, just how big you think. And then I'd love to kind of piggyback off that a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, I'm always trying to stretch myself. And so I'll think of things that are as big as my mind can possibly. And it's funny because me and my brother, we found our old dream board from like 15 years ago. And it was just so funny what was on there as big as our minds could possibly get at that time. I mean, I was, we had cars on there that, you know, just were just funny and just simple cars. And we had houses that were half the size of the house my brother's in now. And um, just different little things. Like I remember I had this beach on there. I one day wanted to go on a tropical vacation. Now I've been to 69 countries. I've been to most of the best beaches in the world. And, you know, I mean, it's just our minds were just not capable of going bigger at that time. But, and so I kind of don't want to foo-foo somebody's vision, whatever it is. Like, um, you know, it doesn't matter the size of your goals. It matters if it stretches you and, and makes you feel like you can, um, like give you something to, to achieve or to, to look forward to uh, the last vision board I put on there, you know, I mean, I had some crazy things, my list of the 10 things I want to accomplish in the next uh, five years. Yeah. I had a list of, you know, four um, people that inspire me in my life that I wanted to uh, somehow get to know them. And I got to know all of them. Um, you know, one of them I got to go undercover with, with uh, as part of operation Underground railroad and, and get to know Tony Robbins at a bunch of his events. And I got to, um, work with him sp- directly and, and be behind the stage and do all those cool things. Uh, another one's a guy named Prince EA and, you know, he's got over 2 billion views on his YouTube videos and he and I have become good friends now. And he, uh, he and I just did a video together that, you know, I released a couple weeks ago, got a million and a half views the first week. And um, Tim Ferriss was another one that inspires me. Um, I ended up spending new years with him. We had a party together with his girlfriend, a close friend of mine. And then we had brunch and, got to spend about 90 minutes one-on-one just talking to him and got to know him a little bit. And so that was one of the cool parts um, I had on there, you know, to have my book, which I got done. And then I had on there um, to rescue these kids. And I had on there 
um, you know, financial goals and like goals for my family, things like that, that I never thought I'd be able to achieve. And they, one by one, I've started been able to, to click those off. Uh, the one that I thought was really cool was I wanted to take a, a dream vacation with my entire family. I have 36 nieces, nephews, brothers, sisters, and in-laws. And then my parents, I was able to pay for and take every one of them on a Disney cruise last year to the Caribbean before the coronavirus hit. And all 36 of us went and had this dream vacation, this Disney cruise that for my family was, you know, as good as it gets. And so just stuff like that, that you don't even know how you're going to make it happen. It scares you to write it down. But then next thing you know, you find yourself doing these things and having these experiences is pretty special. Yeah, I agree. And, and one of the things that I'd love to hear is how, when you set this dream board or when you set this vision board, how do you ensure that you're staying on track? What kind of mm-hmm. things do you do that could help our listeners understand when you set these things and you write them down, how do you keep track of it? Like one of the things that you said that I know this is how part of your philosophy. And I remember when I first learned it from you was you don't sit there and watch 12 hours of football at a time on a weekend and, or, or one to two hours of reality TV and all this thing. So what are you doing on a daily basis to not only track this, but, to ensure that you're staying on top of your goals. And then we'll see if Jason has any follow-ups mm-hmm. there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not like this crazy thing. I just, every day you're looking at them, you're thinking about them, you have your vision board. So I go in, I do my meditation for a couple of minutes and then I do my envisioning for a couple of minutes. And then I start to, you know, really see myself doing these things. One cool thing that I'll do is I'll actually um, plan as if it's already done so like if I, so for example, one of my goals is to go to a hundred countries by my 40th birthday. Like I said, I'm at like, I'm a 69. I'm planning my birthday trip to go to Belize here in a couple of weeks. It's opening back up. Uh, we'll be number 70. But, um, and what I'll do sometimes if I want to be inspired is I'll plan the whole trip. I'll literally pick the hotels I'm staying at. I'll look at the flights, make sure they line up and I plan out the whole trip and then I'll just save it to my computer. Um, and it inspires me. I'll get the picture of where I want to stay, the, the places I want to go visit. And I'll kind of look at those and I'll, you know, that motivates me to do those things. Or um, there's one thing I did when a lot of people have this misconception of money, like that it's this super scarce thing that the money fairy comes and touches a certain couple of people. And it's just not true. And so what I've worked to do is to help people with their money mindset. Something I did with myself is um, to see just how, um, how money works. And so what I do is I'll start with a million dollars on day one and I have to spend that money. And then day two, you double it. And then day three, I'll double it all the way for 30 days. You end up having to spend billions of dollars. Um, uh, and it's just a really cool exercise to help you see that money's not scarce. That it's actually everywhere. That is, yeah. that is fascinating. You know, one of the things I'm taking away from this is that, you know, there's, there's the act of creating your vision, right? That's the strategy, what you want to do. Um, but as is frequently the case, it comes down to that execution. And you've, you've kind of tipped us off a little bit here on the steps that you take to execution. But if you're going to distill it down to kind of that, that you know, like Jordan had alluded to, the, the daily progress, like, you know, because sometimes these big things can get overwhelming. I know for myself personally, it's, it's one of those where you're like, oh, you know, I, I've got a year to do this. Right? I was reading a book, the uh, 12-week year that outlined a, a framework and how you can take these, you know, why everything happens in Q4 of a year, all your objectives get complete, all that stuff. But with these bigger visions that will take more time, you know, staying focused on it is so important. So, I mean, you know, as, as you get down to that theme execution, how do you approach that? How, what, what is your mindset towards it? And how do you stay focused on it over the long term? 
So one thing that I've learned in my business, I, I'm a real estate agent. That's like, you know, where I, my daily job and everything else is there's never one thing that's going to explode your business or your life. There's just not. We have this false idea that if I can just get this thing, then everything will fall into place. It's just not true. Um, when I started my podcast, I remember uh, I had the opportunity to get uh, uh, Mitt Romney on. And I thought that was going to be like this biggest podcast that would finally blow me up. And it was like a normal podcast. Like nobody really, you know, had some people listen, had some people comment. People thought it was cool that I actually got him on. But my podcast didn't grow that much. And what I realized in that moment, the same thing as my real estate career, is there's not just ever this one deal that puts you over the top. It's consistency mm -hmm. over time. It's doing the little things. It's working the days you don't feel like doing it. And it's the consistency that wins. And so if more than any other word that I can emphasize to people, it's consistency. There's not this one thing that'll change your business. There's not this one thing that'll change your life. It's doing good things, making little decisions every day to move the needle, move the ball down the field. And over time, that creates an amazing career or amazing life. Love it. And Jimmy, can you, can you share with us, you know, your personal vision uh, statement? Really, how did you get to it? Yep. So mine is the purpose of my life is to share my tremendous love with all of God's children, bringing happiness to others through my playful soul and by being an example of living an extraordinary life. And that thing is ingrained in me um, up and down. I, uh, I went to a Tony Robbins seminar uh, a few years ago, and I kind of, you know, was kind of trying to figure out what my life was going to be about, what I was going to do, and all these different things. And um, I really spent a lot of time and effort at that event to come up with what was going to be my, uh, you know, for my life, the model, the purpose of my life, essentially. And I kind of realized, like, everything comes back to love at the end of the day. Like that's all Christ taught. That's what this is all about. That's where all the best rewards come. But you know, I said, all right, well, what are the values that I have high on that list? And um, one of them is playfulness. And because you can't be upset and playful at the same time, it's very difficult to be angry and playful. And so I've, playful is such a beautiful state. It's such an attractive state. And so I put that in there to try to remind myself always to keep um, a playful state. And at the end of the day, that mission statement helps guide my decisions. Like, is this going to help me become more of who I'm trying to be? Am I sharing love? Is this, you know, going to be uh, an example of living an extraordinary life? Are these things going to inspire other people? And if not, then it's easy to cut those things out because we live in a world that's busy. I mean, we all have a million things we can do with our time or whatever else. And so it's really important to get crystal clear on what is the most important, not just what's important, but what's the most important for you, each person individually. And Jimmy, what shaped that for you? How did you arrive at that? Because we, we grew up in the same area, have similar backgrounds and experiences, and I think share such a similar philosophy. How did you arrive at that versus allowing history to determine it for you, if that makes sense? Yeah, I mean, um, again, it's, I started looking at what are, when, when am I the happiest in my life? Like what experiences make me the happiest? And instead of trying to live up to this expectation of what your life's supposed to look like, because that's what a lot of us do. And that's what I was doing in my whole twenties is I had this idea that I had to live up to this certain, um, you know, just what other people wanted my life to look like. And it wasn't authentically mine. It wasn't what I wanted for my life. Uh, and thankfully, I kind of always chose my own path, but I kind of had guilt behind it or like this idea that I need to do something different. And finally, I just kind of embraced like, you know what, I'm just going to completely do whatever I want to do. I'm going to embrace being me completely. And that kind of made all the difference for me. And so I just one after another, I just decided that this is how I'm going to live. 
and the rewards again you keep seeing them coming when you do that and so um, I found out and this is probably the best way I can sum that up is there's beauty in the mess and what I mean by that is like we're so afraid to fail we're so afraid to make a mess of our lives but there's so much beauty in the mess and so what I like to tell people remind people is um, you know to look for the beauty in the mess find the beauty in the mess and that way it's you don't have bad days you have messy days but mm -hmm. you find the, you know, the, the, whatever you learned from that, or you find these, when you look back on your life, like most of the great things that happened for you, you didn't think they were going to happen at that moment. When these bad things happen, they end up being these greatest rewards. And so I don't really get stressed too much over all the bad things that happen because that beauty really does make your life, uh, uh, or that mess really does make your life beautiful. Yeah, agree. Yeah, I, I think I think what you said there, Jimmy, is is you know my takeaway is failure is critical to success, and um, I'm a big believer in that because I know a lot of what I know was born from failure. You know, I call I refer to failure as you know we also call that experience. Um, but one of the big things is that we learn from that failure, and so you touched on a little bit. But what's kind of your process to actually learn from failure, growing it, growing adapt from failure? Yeah, I think it's, it's having self-awareness. Like Gary Vaynerchuk talks about this all the time. It's one of the most important things you can do as a human is to have self-awareness. So I'll give you one example. Um, I hire people to help me see blind spots or to do see what I'm not seeing. So I have a life coach. I have a relationship therapist. I have a real estate coach. And I have a shaman that I, all, I go to all of them for help to help me see things that I'm missing otherwise. And so, for example, I, um, is, you know, the woman I was dating, we broke up about two months ago. And uh, honest, I thought like most of the problems were hers and my life coach encouraged me. She said, Hey, I, she knew I was going down to Lake Powell for a weekend with some buddies. She said, I want you to spend a couple hours. I want you to journal what you could have done differently in the last relationship, what you did wrong or what you could have done better. And so I took it serious and uh, found a quiet spot down there. I ended up spending about four and a half hours, came up with 29 different things, six pages full of notes of things that I should have or could have done better in my last relationship. And also what it helped me realize as I was going through this is like, oh my gosh, like I was the problem. <laughs> like I never, I never could have seen this coming. Like I thought he was the problem. And I wrote out all these things. I'm like, oh my gosh. And long story short, spent the next month basically trying to get another chance with her, understanding that I needed to make a lot of changes. So I was able to go through with all these things that were doing differently. And we are back together now and I'm doing these things much differently and it's going so much better. And I'm happier and she's happier, but I, you know, it's, um, I think people want to, um, a lot of times we want to take an easy route, but there's beauty in having other people in our lives because they give us feedback and we're able to understand like, okay, what could have I done differently here? Like, why did that go South? Like, what did I not see or need to do differently? And for me, you know, 29 things is pretty humbling to see just, how crappy I'd been in a lot of ways in that relationship. Um, you know, I'd put friends before her and put just so many different things I could have done differently. And, and so at the end of the day, it really helped me to become a better version of myself. But I think that's what we're looking for, that self-awareness where you can look in and be honest with yourself and, and say, hey, I'm not trying to be right here. I'm just trying to get it right. And when you make that shift, you try to get it right instead of be right. I think you can see a lot of things that you otherwise miss. That's amazing, man. And, and I, I don't know if I know someone, Jimmy, and, and a credit to you that takes more time to find those areas of weakness. But again, it's necessary. We, we have to find these gaps that exist within us 
to take it to that next level, whether it's in our career, our personal lives, our family lives, or whatever. Because the if we lack the self-awareness, how could we ever improve on it? Now, one thing I want to touch upon that we haven't much at all. You, you mentioned Tim Ballard. I'd love to have you share, and maybe this could be our wrap-up here. I'd love to have you share uh, the work that you do with Operation Underground Railroad and, and child trafficking, sex trafficking, all of that. Just share what you do there, what that organization's about. Yeah, it's a group. So I haven't worked with them for a couple of years now. I've, um, they kind of took everything in-house to work with. Um, actual employees of the company, things like that. But for a time there, for a couple of years, three, four years, I had the chance to go on 11 different times to go be part of an op where we would go undercover and help rescue kids that were being sex trafficked. And in the process, I think on ops that I was on, we were able to rescue um, over a hundred kids and arrest, I think close to 40 traffickers. And uh, it was pretty amazing. It was one of those things that, you know, like I was lucky to be able to have an opportunity to do that. Um, the organization is, um, doing that all over the world and, and helping, you know, one of these things that, I mean, there's millions of kids that are trafficked every year right now. And it's one of those things that you would never know um, unless you're looking for it. Like I, one of the ops we did was in a resort town in Mexico. I'd been to that resort town three other times on vacation, never even crossed my mind that might be going on. But when we went down there and recovered to find, you know, the people doing it uh, within 45 minutes, we were, meeting with the top traffickers in all of Baja, California, essentially. And so it's, you know, it was kind of crazy, but yeah, it's been one of the greatest blessings of my life is the opportunity to um, be a part of that, to help them in that cause. And it's one of the things that I'm passionate about and that I help um, every way that I can, you know, help us to get more and more, um, uh, I guess, more and more awareness to that, and more and more people to be able to be a part of that to help us uh, in that cause. Awesome. Well, Jason, do you anything from your side to wrap up? All I can say is that this has been incredibly inspirational. This is this is exactly you know what we were looking for to kick off season two. You know, home run for this episode. But uh, you're an inspirational guy, Jimmy. There's no other way to put it. I'm I'm going to go back myself and probably listen to this one two or three more times. <laughs> Well, I, I would say, Jason, uh, Jimmy, if you want to share with the audience your podcast, he's got amazing guests, amazing people, inspiring, et cetera, that would love to get you more viewers, more listeners. And if you want to share that. Uh, yeah, my podcast is called The Jimmy Rex Show. And yeah, we're 250 episodes in. Um, recently did a podcast with Grant Cardone. With um, We have different guests every week, you know, with Tim Ballard, you know, the founder of Operation Road, with some of these amazing people that I'm talking about. And so... Uh, yeah, if you like a podcast, each episode is about 45 minutes, and we just try to pull stories and, and inspiration from other people's lives that are doing exceptional things, just like the book, uh, you know, people that have found a way to be the hero of their own story. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jimmy. With that, we'll say thank you and welcome back, listeners, to season season two. We look to have more inspiring and great guests throughout this season. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Indeed. Make it a great day, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today on another episode of Transformation Nation. Please take the time to connect with both of us, reach out through our social channels, and start taking those first steps towards not only transforming yourself, but empowering everyone to become who they want to be. Until next time, this is Jason and Jordan. Go dominate, my friends.